The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Welcome into a special edition of BGN Radio. I am your host today, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. All of this is brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. So make sure you're following all of the work there at BleedingGreenNation.com as we start to pivot to draft season, free agency, resignings, all of that stuff. We've got you covered. We're also going to keep you covered here on this feed. We're going to be pumping out regular shows. So don't worry, we are not going anywhere for the offseason. And what we're going to start doing is we're going to be talking with some different Eagles beat writers to get some different perspectives in here from an Eagles perspective that might challenge the way that we might see some things on this show here. And the first part of that is I'm going to be joined here in a second by Zach Rosenblatt. You can follow him on Twitter at Zach Rosenblatt. That's with two T's. He is a beat writer for NJ.com. Make sure that you follow all of his stuff. We're going to be talking about Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, Brandon Graham, a lot of the different moving parts coming into this offseason that's going to create a lot of intrigue with this Philadelphia Eagles team. He's also going to pick a Super Bowl winner, so we'll see who he's got in the Super Bowl. So what we have next here on Bleeding Green Nation is me and Benjamin Solak have broken down the film of the Saints and Eagles game. You might not want to hear it, but that's the job. So we're going to go through the film review and see what we saw, why things happened, why things went the way that they did in that game. But that's next. Right now, we have Zach Rosenblatt from NJ.com. Let's kick it over to that right now. Zach, welcome into Bleeding Green Nation. How you doing, brother? Doing great. Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. Zach, let the gentle listeners know where they can find you and where they can find all of your great work. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Zach Blatt, Z-A-C-K-B-L-A-T-T. And uh, you can check all my stories out at NJ.com slash Eagles. So, Zach, first question. How should we feel about this 2018 Philadelphia Eagles season? Because it felt like it really didn't start until 
well after the bye. The Eagles couldn't put together consecutive wins, but they somehow sneaked their way into the playoffs, win a playoff game, and have their season ended in a heartbreaker to the Saints in the divisional round. Obviously, there were high expectations coming into the season on the heels of a Super Bowl win, but should that be recalibrated a bit due to the insane amount of injuries throughout, and do you overall think it was a successful season for the Eagles? You know, it's an interesting discussion because I think if you just put down like on a piece of paper just the facts of what their season is, they went, they won the Super Bowl last year, and then they went nine and seven. They snuck into the playoffs and they lost uh, in the same round where they started last year. So in that sense, you have to say it's a disappointment. But it's a little more complex than that, of course, because you know they started off really slow. They had you know more injuries than I can ever imagine a team having in a season. Yeah, it seemed like they were dead ten different times. You know, then you get to the point where they lose to the Cowboys and you're like, all right, well, now they're I think on our podcast, I put the nail in the coffin like three different times. And then I had to pull it back Same. out when when Nick Foles comes in and you're like, and everybody's saying, you know, there's no way Nick Foles can do this again. Then he does it again. They win four games in a row, including upsetting the Bears. Like, So the way the season ended, I think you can at least feel good about going into the offseason. I think you still have to call the season as a whole a disappointment. But I think you can, you know, you take a lot out of this. And I think they're going to be a lot better in the long term, weirdly, because of the season, because you have guys like, you know, Avante Maddox, Dallas Goddard, Craven LeBlanc, you know, all the all these young guys who were kind of thrown into the fire before they probably should have been. And so they were able to go through their lumps. And Avante Maddox didn't even seem like he had that many lumps for the most part. And now you have these guys who are all coming back next year and you have the injured guys coming back next year. If they can just get some health, uh, I, I think they're going to be one of the best teams in the NFL next season. Yeah, you hope next season that they come in a lot healthier than they did this season because they had a lot of guys. I mean, Brandon Graham didn't hit full stride until I think around week 10, which is around when his doctor said that he wasn't going to be 100% back and you saw him really come on. You know, Derek Barnett goes down, Ryan McLeod. We, we know all of the injuries. But the one thing for me that was like the biggest takeaway was the fact that through so many weeks in the beginning of the season, it just felt like there wasn't the same feel to the team. And then when you get to the Saints game, which was obviously the low point in the season, it just felt like they didn't have any fight. And guys like Malcolm Jenkins were calling guys out and it kind of rubbed some of the other guys the wrong way. But ultimately, they end up responding and transforming into what we recognize them as in 2017 and were able to put together a run and were still dangerous despite all of the injuries. I think that was the most encouraging part for me. Would you say the same for yourself as far as the fight that they showed at the end? there yeah and I think I think Doug Peterson deserves you know the leaders do too but Doug Peterson deserves like so much credit because I was as critical of Doug as anybody through those you know first 10 games after that Saints loss I specifically blamed it on him I I I thought his messaging was weird throughout the preseason and he was making a lot of strange decisions you know he wasn't being as aggressive as he was last season it just felt like he pulled back I don't know what it was maybe they were worried about Carson Wentz's knee like I, I don't know what the whole plot line was behind that but it was a little disappointing the way he he had coached the team up those first 10 games but he if he's good if he's great at anything it's you know keeping an even head and you know being willing to adjust when he sees something's not working and he did that like so well and to the point where like I know they only won nine games but I, I don't think there are many coaches that did a better coaching job than him over the second half of that season and he deserves all the credit for that. I think that's the main reason why you can feel confident going forward. You know that, you know, if things start off slow next year, ideally that you don't want that to happen. And I think they're going to learn a lot from how things went this year, but Doug Peterson is a coach that things are just not going to get out of hand. They could have, like you mentioned, they could have in that locker room. There were multiple, there were guys that were even complaining a little bit about playing time. You had Jay Jai right before we found out that he tore his ACL 
you know, was pretty much saying he wished he had more carries and Corey Clement kind of implied that he wished he was getting more playing time. And you had guys like saying stuff like that. And you had Jason Kelsey also had a comment where he said there wasn't really that much accountability after they lost some of the veterans from last year. And then, you know, where a lot of teams would have fallen apart after that, they turned it all around. I think you even see some teams like the Jaguars, for example, they, they fell completely apart. And I don't think they had the locker room to, to stomach that. And I don't know if the coaching staff was able to keep it together like Doug is. I think you can feel great about this future, this team's future as long as Doug Peterson is the head coach. I, I completely flipped how I felt about him after the midseason. And he won the Super Bowl for them last year. Maybe none of us should have doubted him anyway. But, I mean, he deserves all the credit in the world. No, that's a great way to put it, too, when you juxtapose it to what the Jaguars were. They didn't have the stomach. They don't have the iron stomach of this Philadelphia Eagles locker room to be able to turn it around against those odds. So that's a really good point. I mean, there, there was stuff, too, about, you know, guys saying Zach Ertz was being targeted too much. There, yeah. there was a ton of stuff going on around the same time. And, and along with the injuries, along with the losing, you felt like they weren't able to going to be able to right the ship. But Doug stayed good with his messaging. They bought in and eventually got to the playoffs. So there is definitely some hope there, some momentum going Going there as well. And speaking of Doug Peterson, you wrote a fantastic piece about how Nick Foles and Doug Peterson became initially intertwined. Uh, I highly recommend that piece for the listeners. It's pinned on Zach's Twitter page. But Zach, in your time covering Foles and interviewing people about him, is there anybody that isn't like not glowing about his character as a man, as a human being? <laughs> there, there was like the whole joke of like, uh, where Lane Johnson, you know, when Nick Foles got really angry during that one game, I forget which game it was now. I think it was maybe the Texans yeah. game where he got angry and, Nick, and Lane was trying to lean in to hear if he cursed at all. And he still didn't hear him cursing. I, in my head, I, I don't I don't know if Nick Foles has ever said a bad thing about somebody. And so it's hard for it's hard for me to believe there's anybody who thinks ill of Nick Foles. And, you know, I, I was at the University of Arizona at the same time as him. I was like a year or two younger than him. When I was at the student newspaper, one of the first football games I covered was one of his last ones. I covered his pro day. He was always like, a very like nice, easy guy to talk to low key back then, you know, he wasn't, he really wasn't that great of an interview. Actually, he was pretty bland and his, his teammates all made fun of him for the way he did interviews. Cause it, it just like didn't reflect how he was like behind the scenes with them really. And now you see him at these press conferences. And, and I, and I joked about this at one of his recent press conferences at the end of a Nick Foles press conference, you feel like, you know, he didn't maybe answer any of the football questions you asked him, but you feel like you're ready to go out and take on the world. And he, he just has like an effect on people. And I, I mean, it's interesting you ask that because I just don't, I don't know if you can find somebody who has been like close to him and close with him and interact with him who doesn't love him. You, you see that around the league. I mean, even like <laughs> to bring back the Jaguars, you know, Jalen Ramsey had that whole thing in the preseason where he where he trash talked every single quarterback besides Nick Foles and Carson Wentz. <laughs> like it, it, it just ama- the amount of respect this guy has earned uh, something about even beyond the football part of it, like just his aura has followed him throughout his his life. And I think that's part of why, you know, as I wrote in that story, Eagles had intended to go and work out Brock Osweiler. I'm sure Eagles fans are happy that they changed their mind because they the Eagles started watching some tape. And the funny thing is, like the tape they were watching of him was a, one of the games they referenced quite a bit is a game against USC from his senior year that they actually lost. He was playing behind like two freshman offensive linemen. He was getting hit almost every throw, and he still hung in there and threw for like over 400 yards. And that kind of is where they they saw the kind of guy that he could be. And I think we saw that over these last two years where he, he just doesn't waver under pressure. And he's even in college, you know, he had times where he, he lost out on a starting job and he didn't complain. And then he wound up just taking it back and never looking back. And I think we're kind of seeing, 
you know, when he's given an opportunity, he tends to succeed. And a lot of it has to do with being around the right people. That's, that's one common thread through all the like interviews I did. If you look at his career, when he's been the most successful, it's been when he's around coaches and people that he trusts and believe in. And I think that's going to be an interesting factor that people maybe aren't considering as much with free agency and right. where he's going next. Cause I, like the Jaguars, for example, just came up today because John D. Filippo was hired as their offensive coordinator. And while I, I know he has a connection to them, I, I don't know if I if I see that as a great fit because it seems like a def- dysfunctional franchise. Where you look at you know a team like the Giants, hypothetically, if they got rid of Eli, uh, Pat Shermer, he, he's coached with him, and they have they have a lot of talent over there. So I, I think that's going to be the biggest factor in Nick Foles deciding where he's going to go. Yeah, before we talk about that, I do I do want to touch on something that you mentioned about how you leave a Nick Foles press conference. Like, <laughs> you don't know if he answered the football question. I say that all the time on the show because I listen to a Nick Foles press conference and I go, "This isn't this is this is has football anecdotes in it, but this is about <laughs> life. Like, this is about being a human, and it's it's fascinating to me. Uh, he his his press conferences are awesome. But so let's talk about what happens with with Foles here. Does he opt out, you know, is he traded? Is there a tag or does he shock the world and stay for less money? He's such an enigma that's so hard to look at with our normal understanding of not just athlete, but really quarterbacks. There are, you know, many quarterbacks with a mental makeup where, you know, they're breaking ping pong paddles when they lose <laughs> and getting into blowups on the sideline. And Foles just isn't that guy. He's not that crazy, fiery, competitive type. I mean, he's a competitive dude, but he's not like that, like over the edge type dude. And Maybe that's another subject for another day, but you get the feeling with whatever happens, uh, it, it might not be what you expect and not many might, you know, not fully understand it at first. Although recently, former NFL agent and CBS analyst Joel Corey said that the Eagles would part ways with Foles without a trade, that the Eagles will pick up his option and Foles will opt out. Do you see it going down like that? Yeah, that's kind of my thought. I there's a lot. There's so much needs to happen for a trade to work out because you know it's really complicated. First, you have to go through the whole option process, where I don't see a scenario where Foles opts into that uh, because he can probably make more money, knowing that if the Eagles wanted to trade him, they would have to franchise tag him. So the franchise tag they place that on him that would be worth twenty five million dollars, and the Eagles would be risking that if they place that on him, if he if he accepts the tender, that's twenty five million dollars that they have to pay guaranteed to him like right there and that restricts what they're able to do in free agency and and all that and it restricts probably their options they can find in the trade market and in order to trade him he needs to accept that 25 million dollar tender so how many teams are willing to take on a guy who's going to make 25 million dollars this next year and i just think it reduces you know the amount of teams that would be willing to do that and if they want to do right by nick Foles, then it's just to let him go. I know Howie Roseman, I found it interesting that he kind of leaned heavily on the, we have to do what's right for our team all the time. Uh, we, we love when Nick did for us, but he, he made sure to emphasize that we have to do what's right for our team. So yeah. I, I'm sure they're going to explore the trade options, but I just don't see it being as fruitful as you would think, because in order for a trade to be worth it, they would have to get at least a second round pick, I would think, because on the open market, Foles is going to get a big enough contract, it seems like, to where their compensatory pick will probably be a, a late third round pick. So if you're not if you're not getting better than a third round pick, then what's the point of going through all of that and risking losing all these guys that maybe they want to sign? So uh, I, I think they let him go. I, I know some people have the pipe dream of him just accepting a pay cut and returning to back up Carson Wentz. I, I don't think there's any way that happens. I think Foles would be more likely to retire than come back to the Eagles as a backup. But it's going to be the most interesting storyline of this offseason, even beyond the Eagles. I, I'm so curious to see what that market is like for him. And I, I don't think he's going to be playing for the Eagles again, though. I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of his career, he signs one of those one day honorable <laughs> contracts or whatever, and and uh, the fans have a parade for him or something. That would be awesome. Yeah, he would definitely deserve it for bringing us the Super Bowl. So look, moving on from Nick Foles, the organization 
made it clear in their year-end press conference with Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson that Carson Wentz is the quarterback of the future of this team. Myself, I thought the quarterback controversy stuff between Foles and Wentz that a lot of people talked about was just a lot of noise, and I largely ignored it, probably for the sake of some clicks and some downloads and all that. But (laughs) do you believe that there was ever a doubt in this organization's mind about which quarterback they would be moving forward with in the future? I never had a doubt. They've invested quite a bit in Carson Wentz, and I know Nick Foles has accomplished a lot for the city, and I think that's why the fans have such an emotional attachment to him, all what he did last year and this year. I think he certainly put more pressure on Carson Wentz, but that's that has nothing to do with who they're going to choose. Um, you know, it went after Carson Wentz's back injury was initially uncovered. Mike Kay and myself, we, we both covered the Eagles for NJ.com. I, we, we surveyed some agents and executives around the league, and, and almost universally they thought, number one, that the Eagles were going to keep Carson Wentz, and number two, not <laughs> only would they extend him, but it probably will be soon, and he probably will be at, – at the time he signs it because these things change constantly – he'll probably be the have the highest contract of any quarterback in NFL history like I, to the point where he can make 30 to 35 million a year and the fact that teams still think that around the league I think it's pretty obvious that they're going to go with Carson Wentz this is a guy who has potential to be in the Aaron Rodgers Tom Brady echelon of guys as good, great as Nick Foles is and he's a winner he he still has never been a starter for a full 16 game schedule I know technically Carson Wentz hasn't either but the, he would have been if he was healthy is a point and Nick Foles just wasn't that and he's going to get an opportunity to start somewhere but I don't think it, it was ever a discussion I think Jeffrey Lurie is heavily invested in Carson Wentz I think Howie Roseman is Doug Peterson there's a reason why he keeps on doubling down on Carson they're going all in on him uh, the most interesting thing will be if he's able to live up to what Nick Foles has accomplished and that's going to be really hard to do and I think that's going to hang over him to the point where I wouldn't be surprised if there were fans who start viewing Carson in a Donovan McNabb-esque light whether that's fair or not and I don't think it is fair it's going to be hard to win a Super Bowl, and it's going to be hard to accomplish what Nick Foles did. And it's going to be very interesting to see how Carson Wentz starts being received by this fan base going forward. That's one of the things I'm most looking forward to seeing. Yeah, the Nick Foles shadow is going to loom large over Carson Wentz for sure. There's no doubt about that. So we'll see how the fans treat him moving forward. <laughs> that should definitely be interesting. Now, another guy along with Nick Foles that is probably moving on, at least it kind of feels this way. After the locker room cleanout, Brandon Graham gave all the media members a hug, uh, quote unquote, just in case. Did you get a hug from Brandon Graham? <laughs> so unfortunately, I was uh, I was on my way home from New Orleans, so I wasn't able to get to that. But Aww. the funny thing is, like that morning, so I, I talked to Brandon quite a bit in the locker room after the Saints loss, and he didn't sound like someone who's going to be returning. You know, he said at one point he said something along the lines of, you know, I, I go out there and I play my hardest and. If they don't like it enough, then there are 31 other flavors. Like to say, there are 31 other teams in the league. Uh, but you know, but part of my story that I wrote is like one of my first days on this beat early. There's because I started uh, before the season during last off season, a little after the Super Bowl. One of my first days, I never met Brandon Graham, and out of nowhere, he just like hugs me and pretty much lifts me off the ground and and says what's up. And like this is just he didn't know my name, he'd never met me before. Like and that right away, I just knew what kind of guy he was. And I, I, I've been pretty convinced he was going to leave this whole season. He's kind of talked like somebody who's kind of been like, you know, if this is my last one, whereas most mm. guys would like have deflected the question. He's never been someone to deflect questions anyway. But just the combination of his age, how much money he's going to demand on the open market, which I think is a lot because he might be one of the best defensive ends there after like Demarcus Lawrence and Ezekiel Ansah, you know, either get franchise tagged or resigned. So I think he's going to get a lot of money on the open market. And the Eagles historically, even before – you know, Doug Peterson, Chip Kelly back in the Andy Reid days, they were never big on giving lucrative long-term deals to guys over 30. As good as Brandon Graham was this year, I think he 
did take a little bit of a step down from last year. I know he had to recover from his ankle. And I, it, it just doesn't seem like a marriage that's going to continue, but I, I don't think anybody's going to say he was a bust like they did in this in the beginning of his career. He became a hero in this town, and uh, he had a great career here. But yeah, I don't, I don't see him returning. Another article that you wrote recently was about the current running back situation and what options are out there for the Eagles. Let's start with the big one because there are obviously going to be some questions about this. We get them all of the time. Le'Veon Bell, uh, you characterized it as a pipe dream to sign him. I 100% agree for the reasons that you stated, but alas, while you're here so the listeners can understand why we both believe this, why is it a pipe dream for the Eagles when it comes to acquiring Le'Veon Bell? There's so many different levels to it because, yet, number one, you look at the Eagles' salary cap situation. They're over the cap, and I understand they can get under it by, you know, declining Nick Foles, but in order to get enough money to pay Levy, and, you know, he turned down, what was it, like $17 million from the, from, the, from the Steelers? Like, so if he's expecting at least that, there's no way Howie Roseman is paying even $15 million to like anybody, let alone a running back. I think Fletcher Cox is the only one that even comes close to that on like a year to year basis. You know, he didn't play all of last season. They, in order to get under, to the point where they could even pay him what he would want, they would have to, you know, get rid of probably Tim Jernigan. They have to accept that Jason Peters isn't coming back. And then you have to, all these roles that you have to fill and you don't have the money after you pay Le'Veon Bell. Like if anybody could pull it off, it would be Howie, but there's just like <laughs> so much stuff that has to happen. And just, again, historically, Howie Roseman has not been a guy who invests in running back. He's had chances to the last two years in the draft, which he has admitted in retrospect, both times that those drafts were strong for running backs. And I'm sure you guys talk about this on, on the show a lot about Donald Pumphrey, because I know Ben Solak is a uh, big fan of his. <laughs> but uh, they came out of that draft with Donald Pumphrey when they could have drafted plenty of guys. This past year, yeah. they could have stayed in the first round and got Nick Chubb. You know, there's been free agent opportunities, and they've opted to go with the, the low-cost options like LeGarrette Blunt. And I think they, they see what the Patriots have been able to do over the years and just not heavily invest in, although the Patriots used a first round pick to be fair, but generally right. speaking, they use guys that they find off the scrap heap or they get on a cheap deal or a veteran. And I, I just think that that's the direction they're going to go. Uh, I mean, a lot of it depends on if Darren Sproles comes back. Uh, I don't, I don't see Jay Ajayi coming back here unless he signed a super cheap one year deal, but even then I don't see it. So I, I see them going after a guy like a Latavius Murray or somebody like that and or drafting somebody in the fourth round. But I don't know if the fans are going to be all excited about the guy they wind up at the top of their depth chart next season, but you can win with an okay group of running backs. You don't need an elite guy. And I know the running game was a problem this year, that's for sure, and they need to upgrade. I just don't think it's going to be the pipe dream of Le'Veon Bell because it, it just does in so many ways it, it doesn't work. While at the same time, you know, it's tantalizing thinking of the idea of him in an offense with Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, you know, Nelson Aguilar and Carson Wentz like that. That's insane. And they would score a lot of points, but you're sacrificing a lot of the roster by doing that. Yeah, I, I would agree. And one other name that I'll throw out there because I don't think this is going to happen either. I, I, I don't know if Leonard uh, Fournette, Leonard Fournette is back with the Jaguars coming into the 2019 season. I know there's a lot of things going on there, but uh, I just want to put it out there and deal with this because I know we're going to get questions on it, too. <laughs> Uh, I'm a big no personally on Fournette. Uh, we're talking about a continually banged up back that isn't all that productive when he's healthy, that brings no pass catching upside. And from the whispers that I'm hearing and seeing from what people are sending me and what we're seeing publicly, publicly too, just feels like a, there's an awful locker room presence with him there. So he gets a big pass from me. If not someone like him, who do you, who do you think from the guys that you listed, can you, if you were to give odds, like, what would be the number one? Let's let's take the rookies out of it. We'll play a little game here. Outside of the rookies, if they were to acquire one back, 
whether it be a high-end or a low-end signing, who would it be? And why is it Spencer Ware? Because I really like Spencer Ware. But go ahead. <laughs> he, was, he was on my list. Uh, I would yep. say the names that I have in mind that like f- fall under the criteria that we just talked about would be, number one, Latavius Murray. He's a guy I have my eye on uh, because, number one, he's been, you know, he's been a, he's both been the number one back for teams before with the Raiders and when Dalvin Cook was injured last year, and he's been part of rotation. He's been pretty effective in both. He's a pretty good runner. He's a decent pass catcher. And he's actually he's close. Not I don't know if he's close, but he's cool with Carson Wentz. They have the same agent. They've worked out together. He's a guy of mine. I don't think he would cost much. You could probably sign him to a one year deal. He's he's kind of in the mold of the type that they've been trying to get it like for short yardage and red exactly. zone, red zone carries. So he's kind of like right in that mold. Exactly. Another one, Spencer Ware, like you mentioned. He again, he's another guy who's both been like the lead guy and he's been part of a rotation, which is I think what they're probably looking for with the number one guy, Doug Peterson. If if they brought him in, it'd because be because Doug Peterson spoke highly of him, and then you could feel good about it because Doug coached with him when he was right. with the Chiefs. Uh, Bilal Powell is it like he's a little more under the radar and you know he's not that exciting of a prospect he's just coming off an injury he's already 30 years old but he's a really good pass catcher and he's been really good as part of a rotation when he actually gets opportunities whereas the Jets didn't always give him and then the one who I'm, I'm not sure how much he's going to cost which is what it'll come down to ultimately in free agency is uh Tevin Coleman he wasn't great when he mm. took over for Devonta Freeman he probably shouldn't be like a full-time workload kind of guy but if he's if he's a compliment to Josh Adams, Corey Clement, and Darren Sproles, and I think you feel pretty good about your group. I actually like Powell, but the idea just struck me that the idea of an emergency podcast for Bilal Powell <laughs> signing is, is pretty interesting. Let's see. Last question here as we go into the playoffs here. Out of the four teams, the Kansas City Chiefs, the New England Patriots, the New Orleans Saints, Los Angeles Rams. Who wins the big one, Zach? I need a prediction right now. I don't I have no time to research it. Shot out of a cannon. Who you got? So before the season, I said Saints Chiefs, Saints win it all, and I'm going to stick to that. I still think that I actually thought whoever won the Saints Eagles game was going to win the Super Bowl. I just felt like because if the Eagles could have beaten the Saints, then I thought they could beat anybody. And I still I know the Saints were kind of a little sloppy in that game, but I don't I still don't think the Rams are that great. And I don't think the Chiefs or the Patriots defense can stop the New Orleans Saints. So I have New Orleans winning it all. He has been Zach Rosenblatt of NJ.com. Zach, one more time, let everyone know where they can find you, your work, your podcast, all that stuff. Plug it all. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Zach Blatt, Z-A-C-K-B-L-A-T-T. All of my my content is on NJ.com slash Eagles. And we also have the No Huddle Show, which you can find on uh, any of the podcast apps, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. Appreciate it, Zach. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. Hey guys, this is John Stolnes from The Good Fight and the Phillies podcast, Hitting Season. Man, the 2018 season was, well, it was interesting anyway, and the upcoming offseason looks to be even more interesting. So if you want to stay up to date on all things Phillies this offseason, subscribe to The Good Fight podcast feed and get my podcast, Hitting Season, where I talk to Phillies beat writers, broadcasters, and fellow Good Fight bloggers, as well as national baseball writers, and the occasional interview with Matt Klintak and Gabe Kapler. Also, you'll get continued success, a Phil's podcast hosted by Justin Clue and Liz Rocher covering all things Phillies, and The Dirty Inning, a hilarious podcast hosted by Justin and Trevor Strunk looking at the very worst innings in Phillies history. And you'll get bonus podcasts every time big news is made with the team. Seriously, if you want to stay up to date on everything revolving around your favorite baseball team as they return to contention, make sure you are subscribed to the Good Fight podcast feed.